0: Boom, there we go. How we doing? (laughs) It's good to see everybody that's here. I am glad you're here, and I'm super excited. We're starting a new series today. Who enjoyed last Sunday? Come on. If you were here last Sunday and didn't enjoy it, well, I don't know. I don't know. I'm sorry. Anytime we see a bunch of people get baptized and start new lives with Jesus, that that is it. And that's why we exist, and that's why we do what we do is to see that happen, but I am excited to be going where we're going and doing what we're doing, and it's, it's my hope that, you know, we always say that Jesus takes you where you are, he takes you how you are, and he doesn't discriminate, and he is like always there, open arms to take you how you are, so there are no prerequisites when you come to Jesus, there just aren't any, he takes you wherever you are and however you are, but the most amazing thing, and we say this all the time, is that he never leaves you where you are. He never leaves you in the mess that you're in. He never leaves you in the situation that you're in. As far as you want to go, he will take you. What does the scripture say in Jeremiah? I know the plans that I have for you, the thoughts that I think toward you, to give you an expected end. That means he has a plan for your life, not just us in general, but he has a plan for your life and for my life. And he will take us as far as we want to go And that to me is exciting Amen. Have you ever been given anything and said Someone said it's yours and it's unlimited Who likes going to an unlimited buffet? <laughs> when we go on vacation there's this place we go to called Jimmy's Seafood And it's, it's, on, it's on the Outer Banks And it's, it's, it's not like McDonald's price But it's not crazy price either and we always let the kids pick which night we go because one night they'll, they'll give you lobster tails with this buffet. And, and then another night they'll have literally eight different kinds of crab legs. And it's all you can eat. And it's like Alaskan leg, Alaskan crab, and, and blue crab, and Dungeness crab, and shark, and ahi, and all, all kinds of shrimp, and all kinds of crazy stuff. And you can eat until you don't want to eat anymore. Y'all know already. You know already how that is and and how you feel while you're doing it, but then you know how you feel when you leave. You feel a little bit bad about yourself because you did a little bit too much. Well, see, that same feeling of excitement, there'll be people standing out there waiting for an hour to an hour and a half just just to eat for one unlimited meal. And it's a very special meal. It's, 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 it's like it's nothing special. The floor is nasty and it's just it's kind of a gross place. But the food is really good. I have found in life that some of the worst looking places make the best kind of food. And when you go to the real nice, real expensive place that has the best chairs and the best tables and they bring out a steak and it's this big. I'm like, where's the rest of it? That's not going to cut it. But you get this unlimited meal and, and, and the thing about... I'm, I'm coming back, I promise. The, the thing about God is, is he's, he's placed this plan in front of us and he says, I will give you as much as you want. So we're going to challenge you in this series not to be satisfied with where you are and not to be satisfied and come to grips with the struggles that you face because sometimes we live with things that we don't have to live with Just because we choose to settle right where we are. And we choose to live with things because that's just the way it is. Anybody? Yeah? It's just the way it is. That's just who I am. Well, those words never have to come out of your mouth again. When you realize who God is and what he wants to do in your life, you don't ever have to say those words or accept those things spoken over you again. Because somebody has told you, well, his granddaddy was this, his daddy was this, and he's going to be this. Who? Who's heard those words before? Or her mom was this, her, her aunt was this, and she, that's just who she's going to be. You don't have to accept those words. And we're going to be talking, it's Halloween time. Who likes Halloween? Yeah, some of y'all do. Some of y'all are like, that's the devil's holiday. We're going to have fun with it. How's that? We're going to have fun with that haunted houses for the month of october it's gonna be fun we're gonna talk about haunted houses who loves to go to haunted houses if you like haunted stand up stand up i want want to do something real quick stand up if you like haunted houses stand up if you like people to scare you out of your mind come after you with knives and saws and creepy faces all right y'all can be seated I just want to see who I'm dealing with here. Just had to get a perspective of who is what in this room. Notice I said what. I used to like to go to haunted houses when I was younger. But see, now I think if I go to a haunted house and it's, if it's good enough, I, I may die in there and like, just have a heart attack on the floor and, and they think, somebody thinks it's part of the show and they don't try to revive me. One of my favorite things to do, who who got the update to their their Apple phone this week? It tells you how long you spend on your phone. I got an alert this morning on my phone that said you average 48 minutes a day on your phone. I'm like, hello. I'm like, that is crazy. If you don't think Big Brother's watching, you are out of your mind. That's just a side street. We're not going to go down today. But I got this update, and I just – you have to do the updates, so your phone eventually stops working. And when you do the updates, your phone eventually stops working because that's how it's designed to happen so you can buy a new one. <laughs> so I got this update, and it said, you've, you've used your phone average 48 minutes a day. I'm like, that's not too shabby. I don't, I don't feel too guilty about that. Now, if it said like two, three, four hours, I'd be like, Jesus, take the wheel. 'Cause that's that's not good. But I used to like this haunted house scene. And and you go in and people reach through bars at you and they come at you with plastic knives and they have blood all over them and some of them have the chainsaws and, and the hockey mask and the, the scissor hands. Y'all know who I'm talking about, right? Yeah, Jason, Freddie, all of them. So who gets really freaked out but you still go? Okay. <laughs> who hates a haunted house? See, there are both sides of the coin. Some of y'all love being scared out of your minds, and some of y'all don't want any part of it. So, would anybody, I want you to be honest, would anyone want to live in a haunted house? I got two people, man. (laughs) Y'all are crazy. Four of y'all. You want to, the average person does not want to live. In a haunted house. Imagine being scared all the time. That fun would wear off. Who likes to watch scare videos on the internet? i watched a, a video last night that popped up on Facebook that was three minutes of nothing but dads scaring toddlers. That was some funny stuff. Like some kids just, like we come around the corner and just fall on the floor. I'm to the stage now where I don't want to be scared, but I don't mind watching someone else be scared. Is that okay? It makes me laugh. It's fun. So even though that's the case, we, most of us would not want to live in a haunted house. You just wouldn't, Imagine you're scared all the time. You're not knowing what's coming around the corner. You're freaked out about opening a door. Because you never know what's going to happen. Eerie music, squeaky floors, all those things. And, and that's funny to think about. But if we get serious for a minute, some of us, some people live in haunted houses. Not with all that stuff we just talked about, but with different stuff that we're going to talk about. This series, and and y'all just got serious and quiet, that's cool. This series is all about identifying things that are haunting our homes and getting rid of them and living the free, abundant life that Jesus intends for all of us to have. That's what this is about. John 10.10 says, The thief comes only to steal. The thief is Satan. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The King James says abundant life right there. So if I live in a house that I am uneasy in all the time, if I live in a house that I'm scared in all the time, or that is, is contentious, or those things, that doesn't describe to me the abundant life that Jesus intends for me to have. Does that make sense? Okay, we, we, we can't have that kind of life if we're living in a haunted house. So why the emphasis on our home? Yes, we're talking about our physical Home, where you sleep, where you eat, where you nurture your family, all those things. We're talking about your house. Why? Because your home reflects your state of being. Now, there are some people that are a hot mess that their house is totally neat, freak, clean. But typically, the person that has a neat, freak, clean house is a squared away person. And the person that has a house that looks like Twister just sat down in it, Typically not an organized, squared away person. So our house typically reflects who we are. So we've heard statements um, like, there's no place like home, Dorothy. And home is where the heart is. And home, sweet home. And Mother Teresa said, love begins at home. So we're, we're placing emphasis here because this, our house is important. It reflects who we are It's where our marriage is shaped It's where our, our family has grown And it, it's a big deal And it should be important The atmosphere of our home should be important to us I will be the first to tell you And admit that I am a home body Who likes being at home? Man, you give me my family and my home And I, I really don't need anything else I don't I'm, I'm good I love, I love y'all I love hanging out with people, but really if I have my family in my house, I'm good. And we, I, I want to get to a place, I believe we should get to a place where we all feel that way. The deal is when you have a house that's haunted by stuff, when you have a house that's being held hostage by stuff, sometimes you don't want to be there. Sometimes you want to get out. Sometimes home is the last place ...that you want to be because there's stuff going on in your home. It's not settled. It's not peaceful. It's not wholesome. It doesn't feed who you are or who you're trying to be as a person... ...and you don't want to spend much time there. So this month, we're going to identify some things that could have us in a place... ...where our home isn't what I just described. And we can get down that road to getting there. In Isaiah, Scripture says, 32.18... My people will live in peaceful dwelling places, in secure homes, in undisturbed places of rest. I like how that describes our homes. I like what Scripture says about what our homes should be like. So let me ask this question, and I want everybody to pause. How are you living? How are you living? Is your house haunted? Do you live in a haunted house? I'm not talking about ghosts, I'm not talking about goblins, or Freddy Krueger, or Jason, or Michael Myers, or the clown from it, or the Babadook. Some of you are like, who's that? But you younger ones, you know who it is. And the only reason I know who it is because I have younger kids. I hear it's freaky, I don't know. I'm talking about anger. I'm not talking about monsters and goblins and ghouls and chainsaws and, and scissor hands. I'm talking about anger. I'm talking about stress. Anybody stressed out? Stress in your home? Relationship issues? Anxiety? Anybody? You don't have to raise your hands. If you want to, you can. Depression. Addiction. Physical and emotional abuse. And other things that we're going to talk about in the coming weeks. Think about your home. Think about your house, the place you live. Think about that for a moment. Is it safe? Is it comfortable? Do you like being there? Are you glad that you're going home at the end of your day? Are you excited? Say, man, I get to go home. I'm so happy. Some of y'all like any place besides work. But still, not... I'm not holding my, my home in that regard, but any place besides work, right? So all these things. It's not, this is not about how big your house is. It's not about how nice your house is. It's not about how trendy your decorations are. Those things have no bearing on what I'm talking about. I have a friend that, that he's a little bit older than me. I think about 14 years older than me anyway. And he he recalls times and recounts experiences when he used to live. He lives, I think, in Harford County now. But he, he used to live in the city. And he said, when I was little, we would turn the light on at nighttime and the wallpaper would be moving. Oh. From roaches. That's not a... You don't... That's a physical environment that you may not want to be in but let me tell you something that there are places in this world you realize no matter how badly you have things right now that you are in the top three percent of the world as far as what you have and the place you live so you may think you have it really bad but you're in the top three percent of the world as far as your living conditions and there can be living conditions where they just, they're sad and they make you not happy. But by and large, everyone that's going to hear this, your living conditions should not dictate what I'm talking about today. Because you can, you can have a, a bare board floor and no wallpaper on the walls, but you can have an environment that is safe and that's healthy and that's nurturing and that's growing you and your family. That can be done. So this is not about how big or how nice your house is. This is about the atmosphere that you live in. Is it healthy? Does it help make you better? Is it contributing to your growth? And most importantly of all, is it godly? Is the atmosphere in your home godly? Is God talked about ever? Is the only time that you ever talk about God or hear about God is when you come to church on Sunday morning? That's not gonna foster growth in your relationship with God and, and your family's relationship with God. That's the only time that God or church is ever discussed. What does scripture say about that? When you lie down, when you rise up, when you walk around, that's when you should be teaching your family about God. Is, your, is the atmosphere in your home contentious? Is it intimidating? Is it frustrating? How are you living? Your home and your home life are very important. They matter. So the first question is, how are you living? What's the atmosphere like in your home? The second question is this, is your house clean? Some are (laughs) like shrinking down your seat. No. Who's had company coming over and it became a mad rush to put everything into the closet or the the junk room? All right. Let's take our, our fake church face off for a minute. Honestly, who's ever had the mad rush to throw stuff in the closet, under the bed, in the junk room? We all have one of those places. We recently got new mattresses, and to put new mattresses in, you have to take the old ones out, and we changed the bed frame and everything. I found my kids' cell phones from three cell phones ago, like the old little little bitty things. When it's time to clean and company is coming over, sometimes it is, it's the mad rush just to get stuff put away, just to make our house seem Presentable. Because a lot, a lot of times we don't want people to see how we really live. Right? Fake church face is gone for a little while. Okay? We all have that closet. We all have that room. So it's the closet in your house that you open slowly. See, y'all know what I'm talking about. You go, you turn the knob, and you open it a little bit to see what's... If you hear something hit the door, you got to put your hand in there. And you got to push it back so you can open the door the rest of the way. And if nothing hits the door, you know you're good, and you go ahead and open that thing. Because if you open that door quickly without gauging what's coming out of it... You might get hit in the head with a DVD or a board game or a pillow or a blanket or shoes or roller skates or whatever it is that you crammed in that closet. You have to be careful opening those closets. But just like you have to physically clean out your house, you have to keep it clean from emotional and spiritual things as well. If you don't throw away your trash... It piles up. And we Americans go through a lot of trash. We do. If you don't take your trash out, well, there's a bag, and there's a bag, and there's a bag. And by the time you get two, three, four, five, six bags of trash and all your leftover food stuff in there, that stuff starts to stink. And it gets nasty, and it piles up, and it takes up space, and it kills the vibe. Of your house. It's going to make your house less pleasant to be in. If you keep every possession that you have, your house will be a cluttered mess. And you'll never be able to keep it clean or orderly. Tristan and I cleaned out our garage, part of our garage yesterday, so we could move stuff around and fit a car in the tear apart. And I have the back of my truck, it's an eight foot bed. And the back of my truck is full of trash, pot heaped up. Man, that felt good. Who likes throwing stuff away? The problem is we don't do it often enough. I put my hand on some stuff in the garage yesterday. I'm like, man, this should have been in the trash a long time ago. But it was good to clean that out. But if we keep every possession that we have, our house will never be clean or orderly. Hello, hoarders. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but we probably have some hoarders in the building. I had a relative growing up where I only remember visiting their house probably three to four to five times. And one of my the clearest memories is walking through the path in the house. Because whatever you could imagine was in there. And as a kid of six, seven years old, it was as tall as me. That's a, there's no way they felt good being in that house. I know I didn't. I want, at six and seven years old, I wanted a bath. I'm like, take me home, get me a shower. This is nasty. I'm not going to go there. But the deal is, when we, when we keep all the stuff, not only can that be, be uncomfortable, but that can turn into a psychological disorder. And that's just from physical cleaning, which I am a believer in. Your environment should be clean. But let's look at this from another angle. I believe that we must also clean our house emotionally and spiritually. If I let frustration at a family member build up, it's going to turn into anger. And this is going to get where you live a little bit. If I'm frustrated with somebody in my family, I I let it build up. I let it build up and build up. I'm going to become angry at them. And I may not do anything about it. I may be hoarding that or putting that in my emotional closet. But that's going to build up in me. If I have resentment towards someone and I don't clean it up, I'm going to have bitterness toward them. And if I don't deal with it, I'm going to have to put it in my closet. And it's going to pile up in there. If I don't deal with my emotions and my personal conflict, they begin to pile up. As they pile up, I have to temporarily put them in compartments in my mind, like closets in my physical house. And before I know it, somebody has left a door open. They've left a the toilet seat up. They didn't close a cabinet. They didn't turn off a light. And unbeknownst to them, they just opened my emotional junk closet and they didn't know to open it slowly and all that stuff that anger that bitterness that resentment hatred frustration all those emotions that i have put in my emotional closet when they do that thing whatever it is it could be something really small and insignificant but when they do that thing they open that closet and all that junk falls out on their head and all that frustration and bitterness and anger and resentment and unease and, and, and anxiety and stress, all the things that I am feeling, I am taking out on someone that I love. If you stop and think about it, the people that we treat the worst are the ones that love us the most. Why? Because they're there and they see it all. And they're the ones that catch everything that we feel and that we go through. And if I'm not dealing with my junk, if I'm not dealing with what I'm feeling towards somebody or in a moment, if I'm not processing that stuff, I, they're going to open that closet one time by accident, and all of my frustration is going to come down on their head. And you know what I'm talking about because most of us in here have experienced those things and that scenario the more I harbor and the more I hide, the harder it is to deal with. If you've got a corner of a room and, and there's stuff there and it's time to clean the house and you go to that corner and it's like four or five six things and you put them all away, you feel good about yourself. The room is clean. But if you leave those, if it's time to clean the, clean the house and you're like, I'm just not feeling it today. And we leave those four, five, six things. And over the next few days, there's four, five, six more things. It's time to clean the house. I'm just not feeling it. And four, five, six become 18 and 20 and 30 and 40. And before you know it, the room is full of stuff. And then we're to the point where I don't know what to do with it all. I don't know how to process it. I don't know what to get rid of. I don't know what to keep. And the junk room just is there. The closet is crammed, packed full of stuff. And it's the same way with our emotions. I can become an emotional hoarder if I don't deal with the stuff that I need to deal with. Now we can see the importance of not just cleaning our physical homes and sweeping our floors and mopping our floors and cleaning our toilets, but cleaning our mind and cleaning our spirit and making sure that I am passing on to my family a secure, safe, nurturing, loving environment I've said this before. Parents, if you're not hugging your kids and telling them that you love them, you're doing them a disservice. And if you're not touchy-feely, get out of your comfort zone. I read a – I've got to research this, but I'm going to share this. I read a statistic that freaked me out that 96% of male children – are seeking daddy's approval, but only 8% will ever hear their dad say, I'm proud of you. So, what happens to the 92%? They're insecure, they don't know. Does dad care? Does he love me? Am I, am I okay? Am I doing an okay job? And you're piling stuff in their closet because you won't get out of your comfort zone, moms and dads, and become the loving, nurturing, caring person that they need in their life. 96% of males in their life, like their whole life, not just until they're 10 or 12, seek their father's approval but only 8% in their lifetime here I'm proud of you we've got to change that that's change we can start right here that's change we can start right now if you're not verbally edifying your children start now you look great today great job on that paper your your grades are looking good they may not have all A's but if they have if they got D's and they're moving up to C's and B's that's progress praise that praise that. If they have a physical ability, praise it. A mental ability, praise it. If they can play an instrument, man, be all over that. Feed that thing in them that needs approval, that seeks approval. Let them know that they're doing a good job. I heard, I, I heard this thing last week that people are saying, man, kids in this generation, who's heard that? Who said that? Can can I say something without making you hate me? It's not kids in this generation. It's parents in this generation. We're all in 1945, they were born in sin, shaping in iniquity. In 1995, born in sin, shaping in iniquity. In 2018, born in sin, Shaping in iniquity. What's the difference? Mom and dad cared more in 1945 than they do now. Mom and dad were more invested in 1945 than they are in 2018. It's not just about having your kid as busy as you can have them. It's not just about how many activities you can fit into a week. It's how much are you pouring into them? How much are you loving on them? How secure do they feel in who they are and 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 God's plan for their life? Is your house clean? Or is stuff piling up that separates you from your children? What's in your what's in your home today that needs to go? Is it a physical thing? Is it a spiritual thing? We're going to all these places this this month. Is it an emotional thing? What's haunting your home right now that you've already thought of since you've been sitting here in this room listening to me today? What's in your home going on right now that you've thought of that needs to leave your home, that's preventing you from having a peaceful home? What's haunting your home right now that's keeping you from taking your next step in your relationship with Jesus? What's in your home? Today, this applies to everybody. There's no one in this room that this doesn't apply to. If you're single, this is good practice for you when you're responsible for other people. If you already have a family, it's time to get your house in order. Because none of us are perfect and nobody's home is perfect. Mine's not. Yours isn't. No one that we know or will know has a perfect environment. Why? Because none of us are perfect. If you're past a place where you have kids, you need peace in your home. You don't need to sit around by yourself frustrated all the time. You don't need to be angry all the time just because. Anger is what's killing people. Hate is what's killing people. Did you guys hear that the Beltway was shut down last week because there were two drivers that were mad at each other, and they were just driving like crazy nuts. And a woman tried to pass them just to get away. And one of the drivers shot her in her car on the beltway, driving her car. Got shot. Closed the road. Can, can I say something today without everybody losing their minds? If you're a Republican, you're happy right now. If you're a Democrat, you're not. Five years ago, if you're a Republican, you weren't happy. If you're a Democrat, you were. In two years, Republicans may still be happy, Democrats may still be mad. Republicans could be mad, Democrats could be happy. I have no idea what's going on. I have no idea what's going to happen. But don't lose your mind over things. Don't lose your mind. Don't don't hate people because they think differently than you. The church, we should be salt and light to the world So, when we see hate being rampant, we should love that much more. When we see people not being considerate, we should be considerate that much more. When we see people not being tolerant, we should be tolerant that much more. Why? Because that's what the body of Christ should do. So, we have people all over the. I'm sure if we sat down and talked politics, which we are not going to do. I don't want to talk about it here. I don't want to see it on Facebook. I don't want to see it on Twitter. I don't, I don't care. Do I vote? Yes, I do. Should you vote? Absolutely. What we need to do is to get in. This is my word of God right now. It's an, it's a, it's an iPad, but it's got the Bible in here. So we need to get in the word of God and find out what, what he says about stuff and who he wants us to be and vote accordingly. Is that okay? Yes. Vote vote how. Just vote. And don't lose your mind when when your side doesn't win. Because your side will probably win next time. And that's how government is set up. It's called checks and balances. It's called going this way, then coming back this way. It's how it's worked for 200 years. It's going to keep working. And the greatest thing is, is the Bible says that God sets up kingdoms and he takes down kingdoms. So let me back up a little bit. President Clinton being president was the will of God. Some of y'all don't like me right now. (laughs) President Bush, one and two, both the will of God. President Obama, the will of God. President Trump, the will of God. See what happens when you trust? I haven't agreed wholeheartedly with any one of those guys. And if you ever agree 100% with one person, check yourself. Yes. Yes. Because you're different than them and you shouldn't agree 100% with anybody. But the bottom line is that I believe that God orders our steps as individuals and as a nation. Because scripture says so. And if we could look at things through that lens, we wouldn't lose our minds. We wouldn't lose sleep over who's president. We wouldn't lose sleep over who our, Senate, our senators are or our congresspeople people. We would vote our conscience and trust God to work it all out. That's good stuff. Love God, love people. That's our job. You may have completely opposing views from the person sitting next to you politically, but you better love them. You better not treat them badly. You better not discriminate against them. Why? Because that's the opposite of who we're called to be. That's my political rant, and that's as political as I will ever get in this church. Is that all right? Amen. The bottom line is Jesus is in control of everything, and I trust him to do what needs to be done. If I encourage in this, in this vein, and I'm going to hurry, I encourage you to find out what, what happens at the end of the book. Read the book of Revelation. Do a Bible study. Somebody should start a small group on the book of Revelation. I believe that. And you find out what, ha- what, what happens. It's not all peace and tranquility, it's not all people liking each other. Stuff has to happen to get us there. So understand that and just take, take heart. Don't fear because he overcame the world and, and we're going to overcome the world too. We're in the world. Scripture, we're in the world, we're not of the world. This is a temporary landing spot for us because we're on our way to heaven. And heaven and earth will pass away. The Bible says the earth is going to melt. Melt with a fervent heat. I'm not going to be here then. So stuff has to get worse before we get to go to heaven. So just enjoy the ride. And don't waste time on being angry and hating people. Love people. Before I read this last scripture, I'm going to give you some background. The children of Israel, that's the Jews, people that live in Israel, the Jewish people, they had been slaves in Egypt. The Egyptians kept them as slaves for over 400 years. Over 400 years they were slaves. God used Moses to have them released and to put them on a journey to, to a place he had promised them, which they, where they, is, is Israel, okay? And they were on the journey, and when they got there to the edge of of their promised land, they sent spies out to to, to look and see what was going on. They sent 12 people out there, and 10 10 of the guys came back and said, We can't do this. They're giants. They're bigger than us. They're mean. They're bad. They're strong. We can't do this. But two guys, Joshua and Caleb, said, We are well able to take this land, because they, they remembered what God had done for them already. They remembered every miracle that God had given them to get them where they were to that point. And they said, we can do this. But the people sided with the, the ten negative people. And the punishment from God for that was that he put them in the desert. And if you look, ever look at a map of where they traveled, they are literally going in circles for 40 years. They wandered in the desert, literally going in circles for 40 years. And at the end of that time, God brought them back to the exact same spot. And if you do a little bit of research and reading, you'll find out that everyone that voted no didn't make it back to that spot. God waited for a negative generation to die before he brought them back to that spot again. Everybody that said God couldn't do it was gone. They were in the ground. But who was there? Joshua and Caleb. So they went into the promised land and, and they had great, they had, they had a God just blessed them. He anointed them. And they won war after war. And toward the end of his life, Joshua called the people together again. He had, at that point he had seen 31 cities fall. Since they entered the promised land, he had seen 31 cities fall. And he called God's people together again before his death to reaffirm their commitment to God. And Joshua 24, 15, it says, And if it seem evil to you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood before Noah, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. And here's the, here's the, the kicker right here. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord choose today make your decision what you want to do but as for me and my house we will serve the Lord there won't be any haunting here we're going to serve God so let's wrap this up God has brought you through some victories you've seen things happen some of you in here have witnessed miracles some of you are walking miracles in this room today but this stuff is next level stuff. This is about reaffirming to God that He will be the center of our life and our homes. One of my, I wouldn't say close friends, but a, a guy I know that I went to college with, pastor of the church in Texas. And he, I see everybody's church post on Facebook. And he posted this thing. Build your life around the church. I thought about that. That didn't sit well with me. Build your life around the church. I'm not going to tell tell you to build your life around this church. Because this church will disappoint you. Because we're human. You might get disillusioned because we're human. And we make mistakes. We're going to make mistakes. And we have to love each other through that. But I'm not going to tell you to build your, your life around Sunday morning church, small groups, leadership track, men's group, ladies' group, growth track. I'm not going to tell you to build your life around that. What I will tell you is this. And he's a good guy. I'm not to shade to him. What I will tell you... Yeah, I did that. What I will tell you is this. Build your life, build your marriage, build your parenting, build your children around Jesus Christ because he is the author and he is the finisher of our faith. He is the example that we are to live by. From the time he was born, he taught in the temple, he was baptized, the Holy Spirit fell on him, and everything he did from that point, he is an example and a template for us to follow. Down to his last breath, when he said, Father, forgive them, the ultimate. Sign and token of forgiveness when he said, Father, forgive them because they don't really understand what they're doing. To people who were taking joy in ridiculing and persecuting him, to people who did not want forgiveness and who did not ask for forgiveness, Jesus said, Father, forgive them because they don't really understand what they're doing. There's your example for forgiveness. Somebody who hurt you, they may not deserve it, They may not want it. They may not ask for it. They may be, if you're following him, Paul said, follow me as I do. But your responsibility as a follower of Jesus Christ. If you're following him, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. If you're following him, how would he forgive? Father, forgive them. They don't understand what they're doing. They don't understand how they're hurting me. They don't understand the the pain they're causing. Just forgive them. It doesn't get any more difficult than that one right there. Because when somebody's hurting us, when somebody's taking advantage of us and they don't care or they're enjoying doing it, we want to unload everything we've got on them. We want to fight them, beat them, cut them, shoot them, stomp them, whatever we can do, verbally attack them, ruin their name. We want to do all those things to them because they are hurting us. And God forbid they do it to our kids. Then it's worse. See, I just unpeeled some emotion right there getting mama bears and papa bears getting their hair up on their backs and don't mess up my kids take care of your kids but we got to forgive let jesus be the center of your home let jesus be the center of your life let jesus be the center of your marriage Let, let your marriage mirror the pattern that he set for us in his relationship with us Instill godly values in your children. They don't have to be the busiest kids in class. But make them well-rounded. Teach them about Jesus. Teach them about Jesus. Amen. So, haunted houses. Now, who have I made want to go to a haunted house this this month? Yeah, I see some of (laughs) y'all. can you may go into labor that can't happen y'all enjoy your week i pray it's blessed love on somebody love on somebody let them know how much you appreciate them how much you love them if you have kids let them know how much you love them let them know that you're proud of them y'all have a great week i love you god bless you